Welcome to the Kinetic Seas Business AI Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about using artificial intelligence in your business. My name is Ed, and I will be your host. In today's episode, we are going to talk about using ChatGPT or other large language models to write code. Now, one of the things I hear a lot from programmers is how ChatGPT and large language models are going to put all us programmers out of business and how artificial intelligence is going to replace us all. Well, i got news for you. If you're a programmer, I am happy to tell you we are a long way away from that happening. But in order to illustrate this, I wanted to use ChatGPT to write a software project, but not just any software project, one that we had a lot of trouble doing before we had ChatGPT available to us. So ChatGPT is trained on a lot of source code. As a matter of fact, GitHub and Stack Exchange, which are two sources for the most source code, are trained directly into ChatGPT. So if somebody has something that they've ever done before and they've put it in GitHub or they've answered a question on Stack Exchange, there's a good chance that ChatGPT knows how to do it. The problem comes in when you're writing software that hasn't been done hundreds of times by hundreds of different programmers. And in a case like that, ChatGPT has a lot of trouble helping us write code. So we wanted to find out, can ChatGPT help us write the code? And I'll tell you ahead of time, the results on this were definitely mixed. Now, my experience with ChatGPT writing code is that it actually slows me down if I use ChatGPT too much. First of all, it writes code that I don't necessarily understand. So I need to take the time to understand how ChatGPT did something before I'm willing to put the code that it gave me into my software. And this is actually a very time-consuming process. So if I have code that I already know works, I would rather use my own code than something that ChatGPT gave me. Now, in the example we're going to use, it's a software project that nobody was really sure could be done when we tried to do it in the first place. It's one of those pieces of code that's impossible to find code snippets doing it. But there's definitely a use case for it, so it was something that we wanted to develop. And in this case, we found we really never could find anybody who had written this code before. Now, in this case, we have a client a couple of years ago that had an HR application, and they wanted to be able to receive fillable PDFs via email and then open the PDFs and automatically load the form data from the PDF into their database. So specifically, what they had was Adobe Acrobat PDFs, specifically fillable forms that are inside of a blank PDF, and they wanted to be able to send the blank form to their clients, members, customers, Um, in this case it was HR, so it was employees, and then have them email it back to us filled out, and then our program would detach the attachment from the email, read the PDF form fields, load it into the database. Now, this does not sound like something that should be overly complicated, but when you start getting into more details of how to do it, you'll see why it was a challenge. And it was so much of a challenge that once we started writing this code a couple years ago from scratch, we didn't get very far before we realized it was not going to be cost effective, it was going to take us a ton of time, and the aggravation was definitely not worth the trouble we were going through in writing this code. 
So a couple months ago, we decided that we would use ChatGPT as our assistant to help us write the code. And this was important because we knew that there wasn't a lot of example code out on the internet about how to do the specific tasks that were in the programs we wanted to write. So me and a team member decided we were going to start writing this using ChatGPT's advice about how we would go about writing the code, have it give us some sample code, and then we would integrate that sample code into our project. Unfortunately, and this was not unexpected, almost everything ChatGPT gave us was incorrect. If ChatGPT did give me usable code, it was probably code I already knew how to write. But when we got into the specifics of working with Adobe PDFs, ChatGPT quickly fell short. And the reason for this was due to a lack of examples that ChatGPT had to work with. And that was the same thing we ran into when we were just trying to write the code a couple of years ago. There wasn't anybody else who had written this kind of use case with PDF forms. So we were going to have to try to do this using ChatGPT as an assistance, even though we knew that ChatGPT had not seen any of this code directly. Now, as a little bit of background, the project's written in Python, so that right there is a benefit for us because if there's one language that has a ton of examples into ChatGPT, it's Python. So we did actually get it to work, and if you want to see it in action, you can actually go to pdfforms.org, and it's, it's all, this is all based on an open source library that we created specifically for this reason, opening up and managing PDFs. So the first issue that we had to work around was that the libraries that we would use to read text from forms and tables out of a PDF file. We had to identify what library we were going to use. And from the beginning, I had a feeling that this was going to be a problem because when I asked ChatGPT what libraries to use, and then I had a team member ask ChatGPT what libraries to use. We got wildly different and very contradicting results. I was told to use one set of libraries, and my team member was told to use a totally different set of libraries and was actually told that the libraries I was recommended to use weren't going to work. So now we knew we had a dilemma, so we needed to try both ways. And to no surprise, Neither of the sample code that we got from ChatGPT worked. They both just didn't work for different reasons. In defense of ChatGPT, one of the reasons that it didn't work is the libraries that support PDFs and support reading data out of PDFs have for the most part been abandoned. So this is some old code that has not kept up with the changes that Adobe has been making to PDF forms over time. The libraries to read text out of PDFs work really well, and they still work really well. But over time, Adobe has definitely changed the way it handles forms within a PDF. So the libraries that ChatGPT recommended that we use were a little bit outdated. Again, we were using ChatGPT4, so it was from the beginning of the year. But the data that it was working on, A, it had very little data to work with, and then B, these libraries never really were designed for what we were going to do with it. So 
we started with our dilemma, but now we needed to um, do this anyway. So like with any software development project, you need to break it up and work on the specific tasks and then piece it all together to have a project in the end. So the first thing that we wanted to be able to do was just get a PDF and then read both the metadata and the forms out of the PDF. So ChatGPT gave us a couple of recommendations for how to do that part. And for the most part, it worked out pretty well with, again, the exceptions of checkboxes and radio buttons. For some reason, checkboxes and radio buttons in forms are kind of tricky. But again, just by doing it a couple times, we figured out how to basically read all of the form data and then put it in the database. Now, ChatGPT had given us some example code that once we, once we tailored it a little bit, it worked perfectly. But what we didn't realize is that if we got a bad PDF, it wasn't just not going to be able to read the form, it was actually going to blow up the program. So there was a lot of extra error handling that we needed to throw in in order to handle PDF forms that possibly were created with an old version, might have not actually been created by an Adobe product, but they were pieced together by some PDF or some third-party PDF maker. But whatever it was, um, we... We were able to solve that problem, and that, that was a pretty basic problem that, again, we were pretty happy that we got it solved. So now that we are able to read the metadata, which is the properties in the PDF, and we were able to read the PDF form data, our next task was going to be to pre-fill forms with data from the database. Now, the reason we wanted to do that, so let's say it's an HR application and somebody calls us up or goes online and wants to get a form, but we want to pre-fill it with information that we already have in our database. We might be pre-filling it with their name, address, city, state, zip code. Their, they might have an employee number. They might have an insurance plan. Maybe we want to pre-fill it with the insurance plan that they've already signed up with. We have data in the database, and we want to pre-fill forms the PDF form that we're going to send to them, they're going to fill it out, and they're going to send it back. And this is where our recommendations and coding with ChatGPT started to go sideways. Now, putting data into the metadata, which is into the properties, that was pretty easy with the libraries. We didn't have a lot of trouble with that. Putting data into the text forms, again, we didn't have a lot of problems putting data into the text forms. But where it started getting weird was when we started working with checkboxes, radio buttons, and drop-down lists. Now, again, we were doing something that not a lot of people have done, so we couldn't have been too surprised when ChatGPT wasn't able to pull it off. But some of the results we got were things that made us question if ChatGPT was literally insane. So in one situation, in one scenario, what we did is we were able to populate form fields and checkboxes, but radio buttons wouldn't work. We would then go in to um, view the PDF using Google Chrome, and everything looked great. Then we would open up that same PDF in Adobe Acrobat Pro, and everything would be invisible. So this is one situation where ChatGPT can actually be quite an annoyance. 
So our first prompt was we asked ChatGPT how to fill, how to put data in the forms. ChatGPT told us we were really happy, so we put the data in the forms. Now when we went back and said to ChatGPT, we can view the form data in Google Chrome, but we cannot view the form data in Adobe Acrobat, it came back with a result that is synonymous to, well, you didn't tell us you wanted to be able to view the data. You just told us you wanted to put it in. So it actually gave us some code that we needed to add so that not only was the form data in the form, it was actually visible in the form. Now, to me, if I ask the question, how do I put uh, data in a form, Obviously, I want to be able to view it. But ChatGPT had a different view of that scenario. So in that case, we actually had to go back to ChatGPT another time to get ChatGPT to tell us how to do that. Then we ran into the scenario where radio buttons weren't displaying. And nothing that we did would make the radio buttons get set. So my associate went a different route than I did. And he started asking ChatGPT questions about the library while I was asking ChatGPT other questions. And he started getting recommendations like, you're using the wrong library to set radio buttons. You need to use a different library, which, again, at this point, we're not terribly happy that it's trying to get us to change libraries. But you know, in, in the code, we're willing to use multiple libraries. So that was one of the options that we had. But what was really happening was that Adobe had changed the way Acrobat handles um, radio buttons between the time these libraries were written and today. So the way we actually solved it using ChatGPT is actually kind of amazing. And it, it is actually a it, – a, it really – talks a lot about the potential of large language models and writing code in the future. So what I did was I took the source code that ChatGPT gave me, and I started putting print statements in it. And the, what a print statement does is basically displays what's in the variables. So I would have ChatGPT, I would use the ChatGPT code, and then I would paste into ChatGPT this is what the print statement after this statement gives me. And this was the first time I actually talked to ChatGPT and kind of thought I was talking to a human because I was trying to set this radio button and it wasn't working. And so I printed out the values before and after running the code that ChatGPT gave me. And what ChatGPT said, and I quote, wow, this is a more complicated problem than I thought. It looks like you need to do this. And sure enough, it was right. It actually took the code that it had generated that was wrong. I told it what, the, what was actually in the variables, and it told me how to change the code in order to make it work. Now, it did this without any example code. It just knew pretty much from the context that what it was telling me to do in its previous lines of code wasn't correct, and we needed to do this other thing in order for it to work. So this, in my 
experience with ChatGPT. This was the first time ChatGPT actually figured something out. In other cases, it was, it was piecing together and parroting code that it had actually seen. But in this case, I said, these are the values that are in the variables. This is what I want to do. And it said, this is the code that you need to write in order to fix those variables. So all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we had the ability not only to read forms into a database, but to take data out of the database, fill in form data, set checkboxes, set radio buttons, set drop-down lists, and everything was going really well at this point. So now, of course, with everything we do, we get to a certain point where we're really happy, and we say, now let's do the next thing that's not going to work. So the next thing that we wanted to do was reading digital signatures, finding out whether or not a PDF that was emailed to us was actually signed using a digital signature. Now, there's a couple of challenges to this. Now, one challenge to this is people in general just don't know how to use digital signatures with PDFs. So your first problem is they needed to have actually properly signed the PDF in order for our next code to work. But then once they have, ChatGPT had actually told us that none of the libraries we were working with could read the digital signatures. But by this point, we felt pretty enabled by the fact that ChatGPT had helped us figure out how to do something. So we went down the path of let's let ChatGPT help us again. So we knew that there weren't going to be any uh, examples of reading digital signatures. So what we had to do was use the code snippets that ChatGPT had already given us and start telling ChatGPT, hey, this is what's in the variable. Does this look like a digital signature? Now, eventually, we did get ChatGPT to write us some sample code, again, that didn't work, but it gave us some hints as to where to look for where the digital signature might be. Now, in this case, the digital signature was definitely not where ChatGPT said it would be, and it was in a different location, but once we started having an interaction back and forth with ChatGPT where we would say, well, this is what's in the annotation. This is what's in the variable. How do we access it? And then ChatGPT would come back and say, okay, look at this. This is how you grab it. We actually got to the point where we could read the digital signatures out of um, a PDF. Now, we did not make any attempt at taking that digital signature and writing it back into a PDF. I'm pretty sure it wouldn't have worked, but even if it would have worked, this isn't, this isn't something we want to figure out how to do and then put it in the library. We're not, we're not interested in um, fake signing other people's um, PDFs. So, but what we did find was that we could find the digital signature inside of a PDF and then we could extract it and save it in the database. Now, <clears throat> What we do with that digital signature is uh, to be determined later. So if somebody had submitted a, a PDF to us, we read the PDF, we put it in the database, we save the digital signature. If they claim that they didn't sign the PDF, we can always go back to this data later and figure out and make sure that they were actually the one who did sign it. Now, there is a lot of information in that digital signature data that makes us pretty confident that when we have a signed 
PDF form, that signature, will let us know that the right person signed the PDF. So this leads to the next thing people want to do with PDFs that we were going to need to be able to support in this software, which is encrypted PDFs. People love putting passwords on the PDFs. Now, putting a password on a PDF has its pros and its cons. And in an application like ours, where we're expecting you to email us an encrypted PDF, and we're going to have to decrypt it in order to process it, we need to ha you need to have a way to give us the password that you use to encrypt the PDF so that we have the password to decrypt it. Now, if you're like a lot of organizations that you put a common password on every PDF that everybody who should have access to the PDF knows that password, that's easy enough. We've got a way for you to put it into the API where you pass, you pass a password in and we can decrypt and re-encrypt these PDFs. So that was another thing that actually turned out to be fairly easy with ChatGPT's help. This was actually the one thing that I thought was probably going to be the most difficult uh, was the encryption and decryption because we didn't really know what encryption mechanism or decryption mechanism they were going to be using. But it actually turned out that password-protected PDFs are one of the easiest things we had to process. So overall, what we learned was just getting software or getting code examples from ChatGPT sometimes is counterproductive. A lot of times, especially if you're doing something that there's not a lot of examples out there for and ChatGPT doesn't have a lot of reference materials or the software product that you're working with is changing very often, you're going to get some pretty poor results trying to let uh, ChatGPT write code for you. But what we did find is that ChatGPT let us be successful in writing some software that we weren't successful with when we didn't have ChatGPT. Now, a couple of examples or a couple of points as to why that was. First of all, even though ChatGPT was giving us bad code, ChatGPT was exposing us to libraries that we've never seen before. So the first library that we were using from day one was called PyPDF2. And it turns out there's also a PyPDF, a PyPDF3, and a PyPDF4, which we didn't even know about. ChatGPT exposed those to us. There was also a library called PDFRW that we didn't know about. That, it, that turned out to be the library that let us work with the PDFs at the lowest level. So ChatGPT knew about libraries and they knew about things or it knew about things that we didn't know about. So it was very beneficial to starting us down the right path. Now the thing that actually surprised us was how you can use ChatGPT to figure out code where we could actually get print out the values that's in a variable, tell ChatGPT we added a print statement after this line, and this is the results. And then having it go, wow, this is more complicated than I thought. Why don't you do it this way? Was really surprising to us. This is where, and again, this is ChatGPT4. So we don't know if this would have happened with ChatGPT 3.5 or 3.5 Turbo. But we do know with ChatGPT4, it was able to use what, what I would call intuition. You know, that, that was some serious programming skills to be able to look at a variable. And if you looked at the contents of this variable, it's, it's pretty ugly. This is actually the internal language that Adobe uses inside of its PDFs. So 
for ChatGPT to be able to actually take the value of the object that was in Python, analyze it, and then give us recommendations for how to work with it, to me was actually pretty amazing. And it, it's not, it wasn't just amazing, it was actually surprising. And it's going to enable us in the future to write a lot of code that we had either started on and then gave up on because there just wasn't enough information out there for us to do it, or it was just going to take us too long and it wasn't going to be cost effective for us to develop. So in the end, what we found was a chat GPT was a huge benefit to us, not in the ways we expected. If we, if we wanted uh, chat GPT to write code for us, um, we have had cases where it's been able to write code for us. But in this case, because it's something that it didn't have a lot of examples on, it was actually able to write the code in a very surprising and very amazing way. So the project that I'm talking about, that I talked about throughout this entire project, you can or this podcast, you can see on pdfforms.org. We put up a free implementation there. But we've also converted this into libraries for workflow management. Um, it's called P Kinetic PDF is the name of our library. Um, when you see it or if you decide to use it, if you're coding in Python, just keep in mind, ChatGPT had a lot to do with the writing of this code because I am pretty convinced that we would have never finished this code if we didn't have ChatGPT to help us. So that's it for today. I will see you next week.